What great songs this morning. Just a wonderful time of rejoicing at what God has done for us in his commitment to us. Now, before I have the scripture reading, I suppose that you think today will be a very short sermon. Because it's obviously on joy. And since the title is Unspeakable Joy or Joy Unspeakable, well, if it's unspeakable, then there's nothing more to say. So I guess that's it. (laughs) But I will find some things to say because Scripture says a lot to us about joy. Let's look at our scripture reading this morning from 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 24. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Wow. God is going to do what he says he will do. We, this morning, come in a season that is a season of joy, and as has been appropriately mentioned, Not everyone is feeling the same degree of joy. Now, just hold on to what I just said there. Feeling the same degree of joy. Remember that phrase as we get later into some definitions. But we often seem to have so much joy while there's also in the reality of life some senses of disappointment and hurt and frustration as well. There's a story I want to tell first about a little boy, and I I identify with this little boy because, uh, you know, my dad was a preacher, and some of those church services would get long, and and sometimes uh, you'd be looking for things to do to help fill in the time a little, if you will. And sometimes my older brothers would tease me and then get me in trouble. Well, there's a little boy in church with his mother, and he was a good little boy, quiet, well-behaved. He didn't cause many problems at all, but every once in a while he would stand up in the chair at church, turn around and look at the people behind him and smile at them. And uh, his smile was infectious, And soon everyone behind him started to smile back at him. It was all going fine until his mother realized what the boy was doing. And when she did, she grabbed him by his ear 
and twisted it a bit. Boy, does that bring back memories. <laughs> Told him to sit down and remember that he was in church. And then he started sniffling and crying. And she turned to him and said, that's better. <laughs> Isn't that a bit sad? That many people have the impression that when we come to church, that it's all doom and gloom and that there's nothing here to really bring joy into our lives. That sense that the church is the place of being somber, of, of taking everything so seriously and, and that, that we almost quench a sense of joy. Now, I'm not saying that what he was doing was justified or all the things that I've done were justified. Um, but what I am saying is we need to recapture the joy of the Lord because that is the medicine for so much of the trouble in this world, and it was very intentional. Billy Sunday said, to see some people today, you would think that the essential of Christianity is to have a face so long you could eat oatmeal out of the end of a gas pipe. <laughs> William Barclay, these are all well-known people. William Barclay, commentator, said, a gloomy Christian is a contradiction in terms. And nothing in all religious history has done Christianity more harm than its connection with black clothes and long faces. C.S. Lewis wrote, It is not so much the joy of the Lord we are seeking as the Lord of joy himself. If we have the presence of the Lord, we will find joy. Now this passage from 1 Thessalonians is pretty direct and to the point. And on the surface, it really does seem unrealistic, if we're honest. That we would rejoice always, pray continually. We can, we can think of that as okay. But to give thanks in all circumstances seems pretty far-fetched. But we need to explore further what Paul wants us to understand about how Christ brings joy. Now, the opposite of joy can be described by William Ward as he wrote today in the Word some years ago. He wrote that the antonym of joy, discouragement is dissatisfaction with the past, distaste for the present, and distrust of the future. It is ingratitude for the blessings of yesterday, indifference to the opportunities of today, and the insecurity regarding strength for tomorrow. It is unawareness of the presence of beauty, unconcerned for the needs of our fellow man, and unbelief in the promises of old. It is impatience with time, immaturity of thought, and impoliteness to God. That's pretty heavy. And that is why Paul was writing, rejoice always, continually give thanks for today, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. These profound words 
are for us in all times and not just today. The great Christian preacher and theologian Charles Spurgeon once said, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. We don't usually think of that as being something that we welcome because those waves, I remember one time we were visiting the shore out in California and we were at a particular place where it was actually very dangerous because there was a rock formation and we were, we climbed up onto this one rock and all of a sudden I looked down to my side and I had kind of slipped, but I caught myself and I looked down where there was this inside pool and it was a whirlpool. And with my swimming capabilities, as advanced as they are not, I probably would have drowned if I would have fallen into that because the powerful waves were coming in and this was just swirling around and I'm not sure I would have been able to get out of it. In any case, we don't think of kissing those waves that dash us up against the rocks and make us question again, God, where are you? What, what is wrong? Why aren't you uh, working in this situation? But yet, that was what he was affirming. So before we go further, let's get a little more specific about what joy is not and what it is. First of all, joy is not dependent on circumstances. Now that, that's right there one of the toughest things for us. We often view our circumstances as something that determine our inner state of being. It's not what's happening around us, but what's happening within us. We choose how to respond to the circumstances that we're in. And so uh, in the face of adversity, we can choose to focus on our problems or we can choose to focus on our blessings. And we are challenged to be thankful when things are not going well. Elizabeth Elliot once said, the secret is Christ in me, not me in the different set of circumstances. This reminds us that our joy and our thanksgiving are not dependent on our circumstances. If so, we will always be depressed, always feel like God is not doing enough for us and that there is nothing right in the world. Secondly, joy is not dependent on our feelings. It's not the same as being happy and fun. It's not the same as as just always laughing and always being cheerful. If we give our joy over to that, it will fail. It will fail. And that's why I think those words of rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, giving thanks for everything, giving thanks for all that is good, and giving thanks that it is God who helps us endure through the things that are not good. So it's not dependent on feelings because our feelings come and go and they're up and down 
It's simply one of our filters for what's happening around us. The third thing that joy is not, it's not about our view of ourself, our confidence level, our competence level. It's not about uh, the... uh, it's not about the, the things that, that happen to us as if we're just passive. And that's where the message of joy in the time of Christmas comes. Christ came specifically to make a change in our ability to actually claim back a spiritual joy that is an internal, a heartfelt joy. It's a soul joy. It's not an emotional joy. It's something much deeper much more long-lasting, much more enduring. And so to be able to claim joy in the midst of difficult times is unthinkable, really. And we'll talk more about that and what joy is. The first thing I would want to say about joy is it is a choice. Now, this is one that you may debate in your Sunday school classes much of the hour. Is being joyful a choice? I am suggesting this morning that it is. Because it, it's a choice to not just change our feelings or according to our feelings or circumstances, but to be thankful. And so when we understand that we look back at what God has done and we look at where we're at today and we look at where God is leading us and what he's promised us for the future, that set of three things points us to saying, well, here I am in the midst of living this out. There's all this going on, but what is unchangeable? God. God's presence, his promises, his power, his peace. And if you look at every place in scripture where it uses the the term joy, or it uses the term peace, I would challenge you to think about this. Is there any place in scripture where you could not interchange both of those words in the same context? That's, there's some homework for you. See what you can find. And I, I would say what I'm proposing simply as a test is if If there is a distinction between the two, maybe there is. That's great. But so often you can almost interchange them because I don't know how you can have peace if you you don't have godly joy. And I don't know how you can have joy in your heart. You remember singing the children's song? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. It's been on my, in my head all week long. I remember thinking how we used to, as kids, belt that out. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And then we would scream at the top of our lungs, where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. What a great affirmation of saying, look, if, if it's something down in my heart, it's it's something that, that God has put there. And it's something that I can hold on to. Um, and I, I love the verses of that, of that song too. Um, I've got the wonderful love of the blessed Redeemer way down in the depths of my heart. 
And, and we, one time as a youth group here, I think we wrote a new version. I've got that far out faith that freaks out farmers down in my heart. <laughs> Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. That, that, that joy that is down in my heart is a soul joy that cannot be shaken unless we allow it to. And so it is a constant choice. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. But what that says is that our joy is not just on our strength, our ability. It's a power that is given to us. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul says, And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So in other words, it's a choice to to accept the gift that comes from the Lord. That transforming power is something you can't entirely explain. And that's why that word is used, and there are other words in different versions for unspeakable joy. We'll get to that in a bit. Secondly, joy is a virtue that comes from Christ. Uh, Jesus expressed joy. And he, he celebrated that joy, and he kept talking about teaching about victory over sin and forgiveness of sin. He kept talking about and referencing what God had done and, and who he was and what he came for and what he came to establish. So to some degree, if we don't have peace in our heart, we probably have not fully embraced the purpose that Jesus came for. In other words, uh, that's what Paul meant when he said, if righteousness could be gained by the law, Christ died for nothing. He didn't even have to come. He didn't have to go through the, the crucifixion. If we could do it ourselves, but we can't. And so we understand that we, it, it, it is our choice to follow Christ in obedience. And that obedience is to, is to also submit ourselves to God's leading and God's guiding. And so it is uh, certainly a virtue for us. And, and uh, in Romans, well, let's, let's look at that transforming further. In 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18, uh, let's see, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Um, so joy is also a calling for us in our mission to others. The, the problem that I think God may have with us is if we think it's the ultimate end is finding joy and contentment, then, then we're okay. Everything's fine. The question is, if we don't have that, it's blocking us from doing what is our purpose. And there is nothing more depressing, I don't think, 
than realizing, or I, and I've heard kids say this, I've heard this in youth ministry, I've heard it ministering to, to per- persons in the hospital, I've heard it uh, in Sunday school classes, I've heard it in counseling sessions, over and over again, what good am I? What, what worth do I have? And the more that Satan keeps us questioning our worth and our ability to do anything good, it blocks us from being able to actually help and minister to others. Sometimes the greatest ministry you have is being able to identify with someone else in their pain. But the problem is, if joy is dependent upon our circumstances and what we're experiencing, we end up having our purpose and our mission blocked significantly. And so joy is a choice that we have. Joy is our calling. Joy mirrors the condition of our soul. It's directly related to our overall relationship with God. So when we talk about unspeakable, inexpressible, so glorious it's indescribable, um, we get that from a passage in 1 Peter. And I want to have you turn there with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. And let's look at this passage because uh, it speaks to this question of unblocking ourselves in order for the flow of God's joy to come through. 1 Peter 1, 3 to 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, let's stop there for a second. A new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. That's that's what Christ did for us. But it's not just stopping there. It goes on in verse 4. And then into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And let's just say this. No matter what your circumstances. It can never perish, spoil, or fade. In other words, this joy that we have, the joy of the Lord is a joy for the kingdom of heaven, not a joy for the kingdom of this world. And that's where we get confused between our feelings and our circumstances and the joy that Christ has established for us. Nobody can take that. And this inheritance, he goes on, is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, 
even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So then he says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with what? An inexpressible and glorious joy that makes no sense in the world. That's not in the scripture. But it makes no sense to this world. It's not happiness. It's not funny. It's, it's much, much deeper and much more lasting than even gold. It's eternal. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So, is our salvation for eternity something that we value enough to say, I will celebrate it till my last breath on this earth. I will hold on to it because it is the thing that not only brings me joy, brings me peace, but will sustain me. And as long as I have life and breath, I am going to do all I can to express that joy into the lives of others that so desperately need it. There are four points of scripture about joy that I want to just highlight. And some of this I've already said, so I'm going to move through it pretty quickly. Joy comes as a gift from God. In these verses, that gift was in that new birth, a living hope. It's an inheritance that is kept for us. Those verses in 1 Peter uh, describe. Um, and look at 2 Corinthians 3, where it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with an ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. When that kind of transforming glory comes into us, that's where you could say, when they took the martyrs and were ready to burn them at the stake, and while they were up there on the stake with all of the oil being poured around to light the fire to burn them, they still were proclaiming, they were singing hymns and proclaiming the lordship of Jesus Christ. And so what they did was they went and they cut their tongues out so they couldn't utter it. But every person in that crowd that came for the spectacle to watch understood very clearly when with their tongue cut off, they were still uttering the hymns and uttering the tune and humming it out loud as loud as they could, even as the flames came up around them. You will not take the joy of the Lord and the salvation of the Lord from me. That's power. That's the kind of power that is available to us. That's what brings a lasting joy. You can do anything you want to me, but you cannot take away my joy and my salvation. 
That is the promise of God's word. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So joy is given by the Holy Spirit. It comes not by our work, but by God's work. Secondly, joy comes in giving thanks for what God has done. In Philippians 4, 7, 4, verses 4 to 7, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. I just love Paul's, it's like, I'm going to say it again. I rejoice. You let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. He's very clear, isn't he? By the end of this, you ought to get the idea that every situation, every circumstance, we have a choice. With petition, so yes, ask God, plead, plead with God. But with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, and I will say there, he could also say, and the joy of God, which transcends all understanding. And, and why does it transcend all understanding? It, because it doesn't make sense to this world. And the two are not going to make sense to each, to each other because this world is ruled by Satan. This world is a world that, that, that basically we're constantly facing evil. And it doesn't make sense to people until they accept the presence of God in their lives and the power of God is at work. That's when it begins to make sense. It transcends all understanding. That's why it's indescribable, inexpressible, unbelievable, amazing peace and joy. And he says, this, will, this peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's an amazing... So giving thanks for what God has done is part of that power that, that transforms us constantly. Third, joy comes by acting in God's will. So choosing to act in faithfulness, regardless of feelings or circumstances, is an obedience. It's acting in God's will. And that's why the passage said, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, to be faithful. In the words of Matthew Henry, the commentator, he said, thanksgiving is good, but thanks living is better. Thanks living. So we're called to act in the will of God and to, to accept God's call for us. The fourth thing, very quickly, joy comes by believing God's promises for salvation. I've really already covered that. But it's choosing to believe and choosing to have faith. In John 16, Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. 
And this was said many years before in Isaiah 26.3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So keeping our minds stayed on the Lord is the key to that. Richard Foster once described holy joy like this. He says, joy, not grit, is the hallmark of holy obedience. It is a cheerful revolt against self and pride. Utter abandonment to God is done freely with celebration. So I urge you to enjoy the ministry of self-surrender. That's one of the ways to experience it. And I don't know if you've ever looked at the book of James. And I need to wrap up this morning. But the book of James says, talks about that we, we will experience joy when we walk by faith. And in the five chapters of the book of James, it deals with the practical aspects. And in his short book, um, he talks a lot about the pain and the persecution. There are 108 verses in the book of James. And James, James gives 54 commands. And this is the first one. Consider it pure joy or an opportunity for great joy when trouble comes. So that's one of the reasons that nothing can steal my joy when I understand even the worst things that happen are opportunities for me to experience the joy of the Lord because they can't take it away from me. So we persevere and we persevere. A joyful heart is a heart that is not only resilient, but it is also a thankful heart. And a thankful heart is one that will consistently point others to the joy of the Lord. So let's strive to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. It's not easy. It's not easy. But it's worth it. This is why Jesus came. And we're going to close today in just a few minutes with the song Joy to the World. When we do think about Jesus coming to bring a joy that nobody can take away from us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. You've shared with us today again the significance of holding on to the joy that we have because of your work on the cross for us. And you've given us this gift of joy in our lives. Help us, Lord, to apply these truths to our daily walk with you. May we be a people who rejoice always, pray without ceasing, who give thanks in all circumstances. We pray, Lord, your help in being able to do that so that we might reach others. And we thank you for your promise to be with us every step of the way. We love you, Lord, and we commit ourselves anew today to that very purpose. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. For those that are watching by video at home or wherever you're at, we want to thank you for joining us today and welcome you back to join our worship service here at Yellow Creek. Anytime you want to visit, we 
just welcome you with the joy of the Lord. We hope that God is and continues to be an encouragement and an encouraging presence in your life. If there are any questions or prayer concerns that you would have or a desire to talk to a pastor, we encourage you to contact the church office or email us at, at, the, uh, at info, info at yellowcreekmc.org. We also want to encourage you to visit our website uh, at yellowcreekmc.org and stay updated with the events and the activities that we have going. Uh, also through our Facebook page at Yellow Creek Mennonite Church. If you're in the Goshen Elkhart area of northern Indiana, we would love to have you come in person uh, at 64901 County Road 11, the Brick Church building at the northwest corner of County Roads 11 and County Roads 38. Our Sunday morning worship begins at 9 with our Sunday school classes meeting for fellowship study and discussion following the service at 1030. Wednesday evening classes and activities for all ages are available throughout the year, giving opportunities for growing and a priority for nurturing in the biblical faith of our children, youth, and adults. May God bless you today and this week. Our prayer is that you feel God's love and the presence of God in your life. And may he walk with you each day. God bless you. And again, thank you for joining. Hope to see you soon.